3: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In the 90s, Atlanta, Georgia is a city on the rise. We were
4: the headquarters city for Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola. Delta Airlines, and other corporations. Atlanta's nickname is, The City Too Busy to Hate. A-listers Tony Braxton
3: and Evander Holyfield make their home in A-Town. While media mogul Ted Turner launches a television revolution.
4: CNN, the most trusted name in news. 24-hour cable news coverage located in the heart of downtown Atlanta.
3: The Big Peach has become the destination city for middle-class and affluent
0: African-Americans. We saw Atlanta as the Mecca, you know, the big city. Everything's here.
4: We thought that we were a major international city, even though the rest of the country didn't seem to view our city in that way. And the Olympics became our goal.
3: In 1990, Atlanta's dream comes true.
4: The International Olympic Committee
5: has awarded the 1996 Olympic Games
4: to To the the city city of Atlanta. Atlanta pulls it off. The Centennial Olympic Games for the first time in a southern city in the United States, for the first time in a predominantly black city, anywhere. picture yourself, Atlanta.
3: Three hours south of Atlanta in Albany, Georgia, no one's more excited about the upcoming Olympics than 44-year-old Alice Hawthorne. In Albany, Alice is a
5: star in her own right. Alice was a very well-known person in the community because she had been involved in so many different activities
3: college kids from albany state university know her as the co-owner of one of their favorite hangouts fallon's hot dog and ice cream parlor her good friend thomas chapman says that the key to fallon's success is alice
0: it was going to be alice it was going to be fun a lot of style just an exuberant personality very very outgoing very easy to talk to you didn't have to worry about breaking the ice with alice because she wouldn't allow any ice to exist
3: that trademark charm comes in handy when Alice takes charge of her friend Winfred Dukes' campaign to become a state representative.
5: We had a little thing that we did where She would tell people that who she was. I'm Alice Harthorn, and I'm the campaign manager for Winfred Dukes, who's running for state representative. And Winfred Dukes is a great guy. And by the time she would finish saying that, all I needed to do was just say, I'm Winfred Dukes, can I count on your support? And
3: we loved it. Above all else, Alice is a proud and loving mom. She even named her ice cream parlor after her youngest daughter, 13-year-old Fallon.
5: As kids get older, they tend to pull away from their parents. They hadn't quite gotten to that point yet. They were inseparable. They were like two peas in a pod.
3: Fallon's 14th birthday is coming up, and Alice has an idea of how and where to celebrate it. At the Olympics... She's determined to give Fallon a once in a lifetime experience.
5: So she was there trying, really trying to make her daughter's dream
0: come true. I remember her saying to me, Now you know, I'll be at the Olympics, I'll be there. We suspended all of our campaign with
5: all of the workers to go to the Olympics, but she was going up early to make sure that Fallon didn't miss a moment.
3: When the games begin on July 19th, Atlanta kicks it off with a torch lighting ceremony that stuns the world. CNN correspondent Art Harris is in the middle of the action. The big
6: surprise of the Olympics was Muhammad Ali. No one knew that he was going to light the torch. It's a brilliant start for the United States and the city of Atlanta. You had Carl Lewis running again at 35. You had Charles Barkley, you had Shaq. People were, were going crazy over the basketball dream team.
4: It was so exciting every day to wake up, and at night you almost didn't want to go to sleep for fear that you are going to miss something major.
3: On the morning of July 27th, day eight of the games, Allison and Fallon leave Albany for the three-hour drive to Atlanta. Once there, they head straight to Centennial Park, where some bands are playing.
4: Centennial Olympic Park was the one place during the Olympics that you didn't have to buy a ticket to go into. Everybody went there every day. It was a place of joy, happiness, and celebration. To keep
3: everyone safe, security forces at the games total 30,000. Among them, Georgia Bureau of Investigation agent Tom Davis.
7: It was just like any other day in Centennial Park. Lots of crowds, a lot of heat, but it was just a festive mood in the park. People were enjoying themselves, uh, having a great time, enjoying the Olympics. That night, the band
3: Jack Mac and the Heart Attack is playing to an enthusiastic crowd. Oh, yeah, you're
7: having a good time? I was about to finish my tour of duty for the day. Oh, you having a good time? And I'd already been working probably 15, 16 hours and was making my last round through the park.
3: Close to 1 a.m., a security guard calls Davis over to an area away from the concert crowd. He introduces himself as Richard Jewell.
7: He, he told me that there were some, some young kids, some drunks throwing beer cans, and that he had tried to handle the situation himself. Uh, but as a security guard, he didn't have any arrest power and that he wanted me to come over and see if I could help him. So I did, I walked over there. The kids have vanished back towards the crowded part of the park. Then,
3: Richard Jewell spots something.
7: Richard pointed to a green army backpack that was underneath one of the benches. And I looked at it as he pointed down, and he said, one of them must have left that backpack. We talked to people in that general area, trying to determine if any of them actually owned the bag, and nobody claimed it. Davis's training prepares him to assume the worst case scenario. At that point, I called for our bomb diagnostic team to come over and examine it. And then one of them opened it up very gently and just cracked it just a little bit and shined a light in there. He saw what appeared to be some pipe and some wires and a tray, like a tackle box tray, with some nails or screws in it. It looks like a homemade bomb one
3: big enough to send a swath of destruction through the nearby crowds. Davis and
6: security guard Jewell start to evacuate the grounds. RICHARD JEWELL RACED DOWN TO THE NBC TOWER and climbed up to the top to tell everyone, you've got to get out of here. And he was actually physically pulling people down from this tower and getting the place cleared.
7: We were trying not to create a lot of panic in the park because if you put out that you got an explosive device, then you got more chaos than you can deal with. But neither
3: Tom Davis's nor Richard Jewell's instructions to evacuate have reached the area where Alice and her daughter Fallon are still enjoying the concert.
8: Everybody was happy and laughing and moving and dancing.
6: They were having a great time watching the band. Fallon had never experienced anything like that, nor had Alice. Just before 1.25 AM,
3: Fallon pulls out a camera to take a picture of her mom, but it's a photo she'll never get.
4: Uh
7: It was a loud explosion followed by intense heat and pressure Uh, to the point that it just forced me. It just forced me to the ground. It was just. Pure chaos, people screaming, people running, people laying on the ground, injured. Among them, Alice Hawthorne and her daughter Fallon. There was mayhem.
6: more than a hundred people were injured, and two people died.
2: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.
9: Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N O O M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
0: This is CNN Breaking
10: News.
9: We have had word now of an explosion at the Centennial Olympic Park.
3: The night of celebration at the Atlanta Olympics
7: has turned into a nightmare. People were laying everywhere, injured and hurt and screaming.
6: I was out in the streets. I was out in the park. You could actually smell gunpowder in the air.
9: All of a sudden, I turned to my brother. Said
3: it's going to be
5: chaotic. But then we couldn't get out of there. I heard a few people hollering like they got hit by something, or you know. Yeah. A people screaming, saying, "Help me! I'm hurt!" There's
6: blood on their Police swarmed the the event. We need to keep going back. Suddenly, you had a place that was the place that law enforcement had been training for, and they were all over it. Move
7: back. Just checking with people to see what their injuries are and how bad they're hurt. A violent explosion in the heart of a very public area, Uh, as many
10: as 65 or more people wounded,
7: one person killed. I saw a lady laying on the ground and just reached over and touched the side of her neck right there to see if I could get a pulse, and I didn't.
3: Alice Hawthorne is dead, hit six times by shrapnel. Her daughter, Fallon, is alive, but too badly injured to understand what happened to her mother.
8: They put me in the ambulance about 10, 15 minutes later. And I was like, my mother, my mom, my mom, wait, wait. And that's about
6: it.
3: Investigators immediately go to work to find out who's responsible. CNN's Art Harris follows the investigation from the beginning.
6: We can report that a top law enforcement source is telling us that they believe it is a pipe bomb. What we learned was that someone had phoned in a bomb threat.
7: A telephone call was made through the Atlanta Police Department. 911,
4: what
10: is your emergency? There is a bomb in Centennial Park. You have 30 minutes
7: but we never received that information in Centennial Park. Our command post was never made aware that any such call came in. I wish we had been. We probably could have gotten people further away from the bomb if we had had received that information earlier.
3: What's left of the bomb is examined for clues.
7: It was a pipe bomb consisting of three two-inch pieces of galvanized pipe was the largest pipe bomb that, that had ever been detonated in this nation that we'd had to that time.
3: Incredibly, Alice Hawthorne is the only person killed by the bomb. While a TV cameraman dies from a heart attack, more than 100 people are injured, including Alice's daughter Fallon, who now lies in a hospital bed. Atlanta opens its heart to her.
1: These fans came to see the Olympics. Instead, they are at the hospital to visit a young victim of the tragic bombing.
3: It's not just ordinary folks who visit Fallon.
0: She's very
7: strong uh, that uh, she will overcome this.
4: From the high moment of the joy and celebration of the Olympics to the suddenness that her mother is gone is, is very traumatic. She was so gracious. She was so poised and so kind even though we knew that her heart was broken. Alice's friends and coworkers are
5: heartbroken too. It was a senseless act of violence, but then to have it to be someone who I knew and someone who was that close to me, of all of the people that were there,
0: now you become enraged. Just to be in the wrong place at the wrong time like that and be the only fatal victim And the community went into shock. It was was unbelievable. Olympic officials debate whether to
3: cancel the rest of the games. They decide not to let fear prevail.
10: We are all agreed the games will go on. We will take every necessary step to protect the athletes and those who are attending the games.
3: As the games continue, CNN's Art Harris secures an interview with a key player off the field, Richard Jewell.
11: The only thing uh, I wish
10: we could have done was uh, got everybody out of the area.
6: He said, look, I'm not a hero. It was the GBI guys who who took that shrapnel. These were guys who were injured. But, okay, I, I may have found it, but I'm not the hero.
7: Had he not pointed the bag out to me, then we probably would have had many, many more injuries and more deaths. No, no doubt in my mind, because people would have been right on top of it.
6: Richard was a hot commodity. Everybody wanted to talk to him. Every network was after Richard, every newspaper, every magazine. Richard was getting autograph requests. He was being stopped wherever he went, and everybody wanted to touch him and get to know him. Back home in Albany, Georgia, Alice's
3: daughter Fallon is recovering, while friends and family try to deal with their
8: loss. We have our ups and downs, and it's not something that will go away easy. We just haven't uh, been able to let her go yet.
3: Meanwhile, intense international pressure is mounting for law enforcement
6: to solve the case as quickly as possible. They had to figure out who did this because the world is watching. How good was American law enforcement? CNN has learned investigators are making progress in their search for suspects behind the deadly bombing in Centennial Park. And they claim they could have an arrest within days.
7: We believe we have a number of significant leads that we're following.
3: One of those leads comes as a shock, as
6: investigators are warned that the bomber may be hiding in plain sight. A call comes in to the FBI from the president of Piedmont College, who said, you know, this is someone who you may want to take a look at. Richard Jewell, the guard who found the bomb, he was hailed as a hero. and. In the middle of hero worship of Richard, a call comes in to the FBI from the president of Piedmont College, where he had been working as a security cop, who said Jewel had some very strange behavior while he was working here. He would stop people on the highway for DUI, even though he was a campus cop. He was not local law enforcement. And he eventually got fired. The FBI began digging into Richard's background, and they realized he had worked for the Haversham County Sheriff's Department, where he had wrecked some cars. He got demoted back to jailer, and then he quit. So when the FBI heard this, their profilers said, well, you know, back in 84, the Olympics in Los Angeles had an officer who actually planted a bomb so he could discover it and be a hero. Before the FBI goes further, someone leaks Jewel's name to a reporter at
3: the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
10: The so-called hero of Centennial Park has suddenly fallen under a cloud of suspicion.
4: The news spreads quickly. Are you coming to arrest this man? He immediately became the object of our hate and our disbelief.
11: You're free to go wherever you want? Yes. Okay. I'm not a suspect.
3: When FBI agents search Jules' apartment on August 1st, it looks as if their suspicions may be justified.
6: He actually had a couple of grenades in the apartment. Brought in for questioning, Jules
3: shows the agents that the grenades are diffused and empty. He says he uses them as paperweights.
6: After hours of questioning by the FBI, Richard Jewell has dropped out of sight. Today, law enforcement stopped by his apartment and left with his pickup truck. Investigators are skeptical. Richard was under the glare, and he was a suspect for many months. Followed and hounded wherever he went. FBI staked at his apartment. Though no charges have been made against him, in the court of public opinion, Jewell is both a villain and a joke. Richard was the butt of, of the media. To quote the New York Post, he was, quote, a village Rambo, a, quote, fat failed sheriff's deputy. A commentator had mentioned that Richard was a little like Wayne Williams, who was Atlanta's serial killer years before. Jewel hires a team of lawyers. You're, you're free to go wherever you want.
3: They turn the media attention to his advantage, starting with the warning phone call to 911. They looked at where Richard was and where the phone call was made from. The call came from a phone booth two blocks away, outside of the park.
4: The bomb threat came from this bank of phones on Baker Street. Walking from here to the entrance of Centennial Park took
6: eight and a half minutes. There was this big clue that the FBI hadn't uh, used to rule him out. Richard Jewell was in the park standing next to a GBI agent at the very moment that that phone call was made. So it would have been impossible for him to go from that phone booth to the park. And that, of course, went around the world. On October 26th, the feds officially exonerate him
3: in
11: a letter. As the government has admitted to you two days ago, I am not the Olympic Park bomber.
7: It was a very tragic situation. His name was put out there for the whole world.
11: For 88 days, I lived a nightmare.
7: Fingers were pointed at him as a suspect in in a very serious crime. And of course, he didn't have anything to do with it.
6: And later was ruled that he saved a lot of lives. Seemingly forgotten
3: in all of the coverage is the victim of this murder, Alice Hawthorne. Her friends
0: back in Albany question if she will ever get justice. You wonder, will this be one of those things where you never know? Will they never catch a person? You know, just will it be one of those things? Alice's daughter Fallon is struggling to adjust to life without her mother.
8: Words could not possibly describe how much I miss my mom. I think about, you know, all the times we shared and, you know, she won't get to see me graduate or, you know, play my first basketball game or, you know, accomplish any of my set goals that we had made together.
3: Investigators led by GBI agent Charles Stone,
6: haven't forgotten Alice and the other victims of the bomber. But they're back at square one. They had to start over by focusing on Richard Jewell for so long, they had lost precious time looking at other possibilities. Stone and his investigators begin by retracing the night of the bombing. They actually tracked down the college guys who were rowdy that night, who remembered the man in a hoodie with a ponytail, coming and sitting there with a backpack briefly. With that description in mind, they combed through pictures. They started trying to get all the photographs that people had made that night in the park. They came up with a face, a shot of a Caucasian young man in a hoodie. The photo is too blurry to make an identification,
3: but from the clues they are gathering, They try to put together a profile of the man with the backpack. Researchers say lone wolf attacks are predominantly carried out by unemployed
6: single white males with criminal records and personal grievances. A lot of domestic terrorism springs from a history of of racism and hatred. Despite their efforts, the case goes nowhere, slowly slipping from the headlines
3: until it happens again.
9: At 9.30 this morning, a powerful explosion damaged a three-story office building in this quiet neighborhood of Sandy Springs, breaking glass and bringing down parts of walls.
3: The target is an abortion clinic in an Atlanta suburb. Incredibly,
6: no one is hurt. Cops rush there, FBI, ATF, local police, and then another bomb goes off.
1: bomb at the scene of an earlier explosion has injured six people, including a firefighter.
6: Secondary devices are supposed to kill the first responders who race to the scene of the first bomb.
1: This is
4: another explosion at the scene.
6: This was a miracle no one got killed from that secondary device.
4: It occurred pretty close to where all the people were standing.
6: This put the bomb business back in the headlines. Though it's been six months, Tom Davis believes it is linked
3: to the Olympic bombing.
7: We all felt like that it was another bombing in the series by the same person. I didn't have any evidence of that, but you just, you just get that feeling.
3: The FBI sends pieces of both the Olympic and the abortion clinic bombs for analysis. And their hunch is confirmed.
0: The bomber used a one-eighth inch thick or 11 gauge
10: steel plate The ATF found some similarities in the components of each of those bombs that put them all in his hands.
3: Then GBI investigators find a witness who saw someone loitering near the building's
6: dumpsters. The witness observed a man who was about six feet tall, 180 pounds. Could this be the same guy who is involved in the Olympic Park bombing?
3: Before they can find him, there's another bombing
6: in Atlanta.
8: Several people were injured when a bomb exploded outside the Other Side Lounge, a
9: gay and lesbian bar.
6: A letter arrives with law enforcement claiming to take credit for not only that bombing, but the Sandy
11: Springs Abortion Clinic bombing. The language in the letter indicates that the author is a violent opponent of abortion, homosexuality, and the
6: federal government. Whoever it was wanted to kill a lot of people. Law enforcement needs to find the bomber before he strikes again. From the FBI to GBI to ATF, they were full force, full bore, 24-7. The city braces for more attacks. Weeks, months go by. There's been a bombing at what? 201 17th Street South. A bomb explosion?
3: A bomb explosion at the New Women's Abortion Clinic. On January ninth, 1998, another bomb goes off at an abortion clinic in Birmingham, Alabama, seriously injuring a
6: nurse and instantly killing a security guard. Only this time, law enforcement gets a break. You have witnesses who actually saw somebody lurking near this tree, and they see him going the other way, and they follow him as he gets in a truck, and they get a partial license plate a description, and then they lose him in traffic.
10: A national alert has been issued.
6: 24 hours later, they identify that license tag. This bomb, like the one before,
4: bears the
3: same signature steel plates as the Olympic bomb. If they can find this man, police will also catch Alice Hawthorne's killer.
6: We
4: have issued the warrant for a Mr. Eric Robert Rudolph, white male, age 31. Last known address was in Marble, North Carolina.
10: He was a name that uh, none of us knew right off, which is kind of somewhat unusual in our area because everybody knew everybody.
3: Mark Thigpen is chief of the Murphy, North Carolina, Police Department.
10: We uh, were told that he was a carpenter by trade, a handyman. He was just a a job-to-job kind of person. Eric was
11: the fifth of six children. His parents were very into social activism and also into very deep religious, almost cults.
6: He moved to North Carolina after his father died of cancer. And that had a huge impact on Eric because his mother felt his father could be cured by something called leotril, And it was being sold by all sorts of underground and overground health food nuts, but it was banned by the FDA. So Eric developed a great hatred of the federal government and law enforcement. Eric falls under the spell of a right-wing white supremacist group that hates blacks, hates Jews, hates abortion. Uh, Gays is, quote, abomination, the Bible calls it. So Eric adopts this philosophy as, as his reason for living. At the age of 19, he joins the army.
3: He's eventually discharged for smoking marijuana, but not before he receives training in
6: explosives and demolition. He was actually a washout from special forces. He wanted to be a Green Beret. That meant Eric did have a lot of training about survival. On January 30th, FBI agents raid Rudolph's
10: home. The residence was empty. The front door was standing open. The television was on and he was uh, nowhere to be found. It looks as if the feds have just missed him. We believe he went home, turned the television on and probably saw his face plastered on the news and decided he needed to make a hasty exit. What leads you to believe you were that close? You, you, know, you almost got the it. That condition of the trailer that he left, doors open.
3: A week later, they pick up his trail about 30 miles away near the Nantahala National Forest, more than half a million acres of wilderness
6: in the mountains of North Carolina. They find Eric's truck in the woods, and it's abandoned. That means he's gotta be on foot somewhere. And they bring out tracking dogs, but they still can't find him.
7: It's very rough terrain. It's it's thick and very, very difficult to search, especially when, when you're not from that area. For Rudolph, it's his childhood backyard.
10: So it was going to be a difficult task to locate him on the run, in the woods.
4: A small army of agents are combing through thousands of square miles of wilderness searching for one man, believed to be the Olympic bomber.
3: It becomes one of the biggest manhunts in American history.
7: They used tracking dogs. They used aerial searches with helicopters.
6: But they come up empty. This is someone who is very comfortable living in the wilderness. And that's what they're up against. On May 5th, 1998... Rudolph is added to the
3: FBI's 10 most wanted list, along with a $1 million reward for any information that will help law enforcement nab him. But no one collects. He
7: may be a thousand miles from here right now. I eventually, they'll catch him.
10: Do I think that there were some people who supported him? Absolutely. Would they ever admit to that? No. We did receive information that. A local health food store owner's truck had been stolen and that there was some dried beans, some dried grains that had been taken. Police find the stolen
3: truck
6: at a campground a few miles away, but not Eric Rudolph. The hunt goes on and on, days, weeks, months, years pass. And all this time, a lot of law enforcement felt like he had somehow gotten out of the area. But there was a small group who felt now, this is his neighborhood. This is a place he's familiar with. He's got to be around here somewhere.
10: Uh, he'll eventually be arrested, whether it's next week, next month, or 10 years from now. In the meantime, he hasn't escaped justice. Uh, he's just delayed it.
3: But Alice Hawthorne's
0: friends wonder if Eric Rudolph will ever be caught. Maybe they never find this guy. You know, maybe he dies out there in the wilderness and you don't know. Or did he somehow slip out of the country and you don't know
5: It was very important that we found Eric Rudolph because Eric Rudolph needed to be tried in a court of his peers for Alice Harthon's death and the pain he had caused. It's been years since
3: the Olympic bombing captured the world's imagination. Rookie police officer Jeffrey Postel is on a routine patrol in Murphy, North Carolina.
10: Officer Postel had actually driven behind a shopping center, checking it like he would do on every patrol shift. And he saw a figure go into an area where a dumpster was. Officer Postel stopped his patrol car, got out, and then detained him.
6: This young rookie cop had just caught the most notorious fugitive on every law enforcement list. We have some breaking news to report to you this morning regarding a uh, long FBI and uh, multi-agency investigation that has been going on uh, early uh, since the late 90s.
3: After federal and Georgia state investigators have spent five years and $20 million hunting down Eric Rudolph, it's a rookie cop,
6: 21-year-old Jeffrey Postel, who finally catches him. He arrested this man who was dumpster diving, didn't know really who he had, caught,
11: and brought him back to the station. Ultimately, Eric just blurted out, my name is Eric Robert Rudolph.
10: I'm at home, sound asleep, when I receive a phone call from Officer Jeff Postel. He said, "Uh, Chief, I need you to come in. I believe I have Eric Rudolph in custody. Yeah, right, Jeff. What nut do you have arrested tonight? And he said, no, chief, I'm serious. I need you to come in.
6: This young rookie cop had just caught the most notorious fugitive that had eluded the FBI, high-tech searches, dogs, mountain men, cave hunters, for five years.
3: Questioned by local law enforcement in the Cherokee County Jail in North Carolina, Rudolph tells investigators how he survived
6: on the run. Eric knew enough about escape and evasion from his military career that he could hide under a ledge of a granite
11: rock. He had a cachet of weapons that he had gathered over the years and had hidden. He would spear fish or even shoot fish.
3: Until a trip to civilization, Looking for food in a dumpster led him right into law enforcement's hands. Rudolph is transported to Birmingham, Alabama to await trial, where he meets with his court-appointed lawyer. Attorney Richard Jaffe leads the team representing him. Knowing his client could face the death penalty if convicted, he talks to him about taking a plea bargain.
11: I said, here's the question I'm asking you. Do you want to live? Even if it's in a single cell, max security in Florence, Colorado, do you want to live? Everyone thought there would be a trial and this would be a spectacle.
6: But Eric Rudolph decides to plead guilty. By doing so, he avoids the death
3: penalty. In a statement handed out by his attorneys, he finally reveals why he planted the bomb in Centennial Park that killed Alice Hawthorne. He wanted to shut down the Olympics and shame the United States for its legalization of abortion.
6: Eric Rudolph used that platform to release a manifesto, 11 pages long, railing against abortion and all the things that his white supremacy movement stood for. So this is someone who you could put away, but you couldn't shut up. He receives four consecutive life sentences in
11: prison. There is no parole in federal court, so Eric will never get out.
5: The wheels of justice turn awfully slow, but they grind mighty fine. Richard Jewell,
3: who for 88 days was wrongly accused of being the bomber, sues several news organizations for libel and wins settlements from CNN, NBC, and the New York Post. The phrase Jewell syndrome becomes synonymous with a rush to judgment. In 2006, Jewel is honored on the 10th anniversary of the Olympic bombing for his heroism that night. A year later, Jewel dies of a heart attack at the age of 44. In the media frenzy that followed the arrest and trial of Eric Rudolph, Alice Hawthorne is often the forgotten victim. But none of Alice's friends and family can forget that someone so full of love was killed for a cause that was all about hate.
6: Alice represented the antithesis of hatred. Alice was a symbol of love and goodwill and compassion to others that Eric Rudolph was totally devoid of.
0: Her own way she made the world better, no doubt about it.
8: I dream about what she would be like here with me, I'm watching me grow up and watching me in high school. and. I mean, she's not here physically, and she can't give him a hug afterwards, but I hope that, you know,
2: she's watching. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.